Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. So we just spent like two minutes by we, I mean, I and James, James and I, this is Chris speaking. We just spent two minutes fixing our hair. Don't know why, because none of you are ever going to see our hair. But the great thing is, is that we are back with another episode of Hot Takes with James. James, what is going on? Talk well, to me. Tell me Yan- some things. Yankees are destroying their team. Oh, I. <laughs> so, so when we when we talked about that, when you brought this topic up and you were like, I want to talk about the Yankees, I was like, I said, oh. And the reason why I said, oh, is because I literally just had a conversation this weekend with someone about the Yankees. And what they did was they turned the TV on, the game was on, or a rerun of the game. And they were like, again, it looks like they're going to lose. They shut it off and they just threw the remote. And we had a whole conversation. We had a whole conversation. So I'm ready for this conversation. Let's just, let's dig into it. It's the saddest thing, you know? Um, (laughs) Because this is the thing. Like, I really want to believe in Boone. And Cashman believes in Boone. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, Cashman's one of the best GMs in the sport. Mm -hmm. And I want to believe him. And Boone was a very inexperienced manager. So I can understand he's going through growing pains or whatever. But I do think that there's a disconnect here in how you should be putting together a team, how experienced managers know to put together a team and understanding roles. And it's heartbreaking because if you were to understand this simple concept, everything kind of falls into place. And I know a bunch of people who are very pro Boone Mm -hmm. and I I don't know which way really to go with it at this point, but I trust Cashman. I also know a lot of people who are anti Boone. And I, I, I'll tell you recently, I've been very critical of him. I've been critical specifically of uh, how he's managed things in the bullpen. But now what we're starting to see is we're starting to see the team individually lose confidence. And I think it's completely related to roles. Now, this goes back to any level of baseball that anyone has ever played, okay? If you're in a lineup, you know you have a certain role. If you're in the one spot, two spot, it's getting on base. Or if you're in the two spot, moving over the guy who is on base while trying to get on base. If you're in the three, four, five spots, six spots, you're there to drive in runs, you're in the seven, eight, or nine spots. You're there to keep things going and produce if you can. Uh, that's usually spots where you'll go lefty, righty, lefty, or something like that, or righty, lefty. So I'm sorry. Righty. You're you're essentially. So I just I just want to get this out of the way. Yeah. You're 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 essentially accusing them of not running their positions properly. That that's exactly what you're what you're getting at. Like, like not, yeah. not we're not running, but they're not following like each individual player is not following what they're meant to do as part of the whole unit of the they Yankees. Can't. Yeah. They can't. And yeah. the reason that they can't is that they don't know what they're supposed to do. If you change up a lineup too much, then mm-hmm. no one's gonna know whether they're supposed to be the guy who gets on base, works the count and does what he can to do that or slaps the ball around to get on base, has to really focus on you know base running and just getting on base because it's their job to do so, so that the big boppers, the the middle of the order can do what they're supposed to do and drive guys in. Mm -hmm. And certain guys, you know, like for instance, Stanton 
if you put Stanton in the first three spots in the lineup, because he's going to see more hittable pitches in the first inning while a pitcher's trying to get the zone down, he's going to have more of a chance to do damage early on. Yeah. So it's ideal to put him in the first three spots. Um, however, you don't want to go back to back with someone like judge with him because they're different types of swings and for the types of hitters that they are and at the points in their career that they are judge can do more in different situations to adapt to them and still produce and Stanton can't do as much to adapt to different situations. He probably, he's more of those types of guys where if he gets a, a pitch to hit, that's when he can do his damage. But if he's really pitched tough and he gets different types of pitches or it's a situation where you know, the pressure's really on him and the pitcher's going harder than they usually go, he's not going to be a guy who can really consistently perform in those roles. So it's one of those types of things where if you have Stanton in, in the two spot, there, there's, there's no real issues there. He's getting pitches to hit in the first inning. And, you know, if, if you're hitting in the first inning, maybe what ends up happening is in the seventh inning, your third at bat, if you haven't done as well in your second at bat, you can figure out what you did wrong and have better hopes of having a day where you get two hits or contribute twice. Uh, point being is that Stanton should be in the two slot and they move Stanton around all the time. So he's not able to, to consistently produce the way that we need him to, or even in the moments we need him to. And we, we also can't have Judge then in the three spot. That means Judge has to be consistently in the four spot because you need him there to drive in runs. You mm -hmm. need him to be up in the first inning potentially. And if anyone gets on base, he would be. Yes. But you also need to split him up from Stanton. And like this is the other thing. If you look at some of the best teams in the majors, they've overwhelmingly had consistent lineups. Or if you're looking at Tampa Bay, they've had lineups where they've switched it up depending on if the pitcher's right-handed or left-handed because they go righty-lefty, righty-lefty with those lineups and they operate with their, their bench basically working in conjunction with their lineup. But there's not a lot of teams that do that that have a whole bunch of studs because mm -hmm. you need your studs to play every day. So if you're going to play your studs every day, then you need to let them find their role and their role will allow them to succeed because then they know what to do and then succeeding will give them confidence. So then they can be more aggressive in their, those roles and produce even further. But if you put a, a player not in a position to succede, how do you expect them to gain confidence? Mm -hmm. You know, um, they I don't agree. know what they're supposed to do. So you have a lot of situations where these players are playing all, all sorts of different places throughout the lineup. And a, a lot of players are playing infrequently uh, like Gardner, for instance, Gardner should be playing every day. Even, a lot of people hate on him, and a lot of people are going to be like, what? Why play Gardner every day with how he's hitting? Gardner's a hot and cold player. He's one of our only left-handed players. Uh, with, a, with a player that's that different than everybody else in the lineup, he diversifies the bottom of the order. Mind you, bottom of the order player. And in addition to that, the team needs more left-handedness, more base running. Obviously, we're one of the worst base running teams in the major leagues, mm -hmm. and we yeah. need more defense. We have Gardner in there every day. He gives us that. But moreover, he's a hot and cold player. So how is he supposed to heat up? How is he supposed to get his swing in line if he's on the bench? You need consistency mm -hmm. in order to get your swing in line. So Gardner needs to be in there a lot more, but he needs to be at the bottom of the order because of the stage of his career that he's at. You got to hide him down there. And because he's different, that's how you expect him to contribute. 
And he works very well in combination with LeMayhew. So it might not even be the worst thing to break out the old Joe Girardi double lineup and have the first like five hitters is one lineup. And then from six through nine is the second lineup. So you go DJ to Gardner to, you know, guys behind that who are more typical middle of the orders. Yes. Uh, Luke Voigt is a middle of the order guy and he should be one of those guys where he should know he's there to drive in runs. He should know that that's his job and he should eventually become confident in doing that. He's done it before. He's been that guy before. I just don't see very much confidence right now, but again, he's back from injury. That could just be a short-term thing. Mm -hmm. If you put him in between Stanton and judge in the three spot that splits them up and it's perfect. That's like basically three forty Homer hitters. I actually, I actually want to ask you to focus on uh, this is a key word that you just used there. Um, Cause to me, this is sounding like a multi-level team issue. It's, well, it's, it's because the, the way that you're, it's all yeah. lineup construction. So, so it, it goes from management straight down to the players themselves because management just keeps switching the players around within, well, within their lineup. Is it management or is it the person who has come forward and say, like every, look, he came forward to, to, to the press. He says mm-hmm. like, okay. You know, I think it was Cashman who said this is like, mm-hmm. I don't manage the lineup on a day-to-day basis. Boone does that. I think mm-hmm. it was either that or it was Boone directly saying that, that the front office has no say in the lineup. What the front office does is they bring in the players. So there's a lot of people that hate on Brian Cashman right now because he brought in the players and the, and the players are not performing. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning and the end of the day, are these players talented? Yes. Is this one of the most talented rosters in the majors? Yes. yes. Should they be performing? Yes. So why aren't they performing? It's, it's usage. It's completely usage. And who, mm-hmm. who, who, who makes the players make those decisions? Players have some responsibility for sure. There's no doubt there. But if the coaches are constantly putting mm-hmm. them in positions where they're off balance and they're not, they're not able to be who they are, how do you expect them? Like, so you think, do you think the coaches have a little shaken confidence right now? Uh, I because I, I like that word. I like just, what's it's not just it's not just Boone. It's the coaches as well. hundred yeah. percent. I think that the team, I think the, the players aren't confident in what the coaches are telling them, and I think the coaches aren't confident in making the decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're being way too experimental in micromanaging. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, if Cashman's right and this is him, he can recognize the micromanaging and he can make the adjustments and the coaches can recognize being this off balance and bad at making judgment calls and make adjustments. If you believe in in the coaches and managers abilities, maybe they end up growing from this, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of horrifying to me because Mm -hmm. for me, it's as simple as one little fix. All you got to do is make the lineup the same every single day. And they learn. I, I mean, it makes sense to me because it's like, you can't, I mean, I was about to make a basketball reference. <laughs> I was about to be like, you can't put someone in center and then make them like a left guard the next minute and then back to center. But so no, you can't keep switching people's positions over and over again and expect them to. Yeah. You can't so, like you can't. learn their position. Like you, yeah. you need to learn your position. Yeah. And, and this is why, like, and again, it's not necessarily like they're fielding positions. It's not necessarily like, you know, it's the lineup spot. You know, like if you have, for instance, this is, this is how I would do it. Okay. I'd have Frazier in the one spot. Ooh, Frazier in the one spot without bad. He's hitting uh, 
Yeah, Frazier's issue is always a swing percentage issue. It's an issue that he, he, he doesn't swing over any zone and he doesn't swing. He's got one of the lower swing rates and he's got one of the lower rates at swinging at balls outside the zone and attacking those pitches. It's, it's completely confidence-based. It's entirely confidence-based. If you put him in a position, lead off, where nobody's on base, you can just be you. There's no pressure. Just be you. A simple walk will give you, like, that's what you need there. A strikeout, no big deal. Look who's coming up behind you. But you can just be you, coming up with nobody on and getting mistake pitches because you're the first batter of the game. You're going to swing so much more at the first pitch. You're going to get so much more confident. And you know how I know this? Because I used to have the same head issues mm -hmm. when I would play. Whenever I was batting third, I'd try to hit the three-run homer, right? And I'd launch it, right? It'd be way up there, and it would get caught on the warning track or on the bigger fields. It would get run down, mm -hmm. right? And I, I stopped being able to contribute, right? Mm -hmm. So they moved me to the first spot where there was no pressure, nothing going on. And I, they couldn't get me out. It was just doubles, 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 doubles. Not much homers, but I was so consistent mm. that, like, I was one of the – I made the all-star team in the league. So that's all you got to do sometimes. You got to get the player into thinking internally rather than externally. And right now, moving him around this much, he's thinking everything external. It's not working. If you get him just thinking no pressure, just do what you do, the ability's always been there for Frazier. Like, there's no question. The, the, the swing works. The bat speed works. He has plate awareness. He knows that he, he doesn't swing at balls. He only mm -hmm. swings at strikes. He's performed at every level, including the big leagues before. This is entirely a usage thing. And as we've seen in, in the past, confidence is a really big thing for Frazier. Um, He's, be, he's become a, like at, at certain points, he's been a terrible defender just because of confidence, just because like, instead of committing to running down a ball, he would slow up and go on his heels. And when you're on your heels, there's certain types of cut that you can't adjust to when the ball's coming to you, like it's coming away from you mm -hmm. at certain angles. Like it, it, it made him overwhelmingly a, a below average defender. If this guy's feeling himself, I don't think that happens. I don't think it's possible for somebody of his talent when he's confident to not perform mm -hmm. just the, the swing, the bat speed, um, the, the, the zone awareness. Um, it's not like quite on like a Vlad junior level, but it's, it's as good as most players in the game. Like Vlad junior has obscene bat speed. Uh, Frazier's bat speed is as good as like anyone. And it's not just like, Oh, he can whip it through the zone. It's a fundamentally sound swing where like it uses his, his, the muscles in his even lower half are, are properly used. He doesn't compress them, but he leverages them, which is equally fine depending on the type of swing you're trying to get off. So Frazier coming around would really spark this team. And someone told me today that they thought that this team just needed a spark. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a bunch of guys in AAA who are doing really good namely uh, Hoi Jun Park, who I think has kind of taken that next level of development. I thought it was always possible that he would do this, but I, I, I started thinking that, you know, it wasn't going to happen because, you know, he's been in the minors for so long. Yeah. Um, he's really learned the zone. He's got a good swing now. 
at least for doubles, maybe power in Yankee Stadium. And when you think about the Yankees lineup protection, it becomes more and more possible. He's a good defender at shortstop. He'd be good at any infield position. And I believe he's a lefty, which is something that we really, really need. So he's big league ready right now. It's not like the Yankees aren't going to have lefties all season. Mm-hmm. You know, Hicks is out the year. Okay. So we're without his switch hitting bat that mainly bats lefty. But when it comes to needing another guy like Gardner in there, uh, especially one who could play the infield to Gardner's outfield, I think it's going to really help having Park around. And I think people aren't quite counting his presence in the second half of the season. Um, and they're planning on bringing him in. They will. Or, or is this... They're going to bring him up. There's no, yeah, they're, doubt. They're br- there's no doubt that they're yeah. bringing him up. Like, like not, I don't, like, I don't know if it's going to be this week, but mm-hmm. like, there's no way with him hitting as good as he is with his defense, with yep. his handedness, him doing it in AAA. Like, there's, there's no way. They, call, they called up Chris Gittens, okay? If they're going to call up Chris Gittens, mm-hmm. yeah, like, Park is, he'll, he's on his way. Um, It'd be really so, sad not to see yeah. him uh, and, come up then if, like, if that's how yeah. well he's doing, it, it would be really, really sad to just see them continue to make mistake after mistake after mistake. Yeah, and, and let me let me backstep for just one second and talk about the middle of the order one more time. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about Voigt for a second, being like, oh, we should put him in the third spot. Mm-hmm. But now that Sanchez is hitting like Sanchez is hitting and he's finally taken that step that I talked about at the beginning of the year, I was waiting for it. I was like, it's probably going to happen by June. People were like, oh, Sanchez is terrible. Higashi- there was an article on fan graphs even written about how Higashioka had passed Sanchez. Mm. Literally, like, have a V8, dude. Take one out my fridge. What? Um, like, Why a V8? Isn't that the commercial that they do where they smack themselves on the forehead? They should have had a V8. Oh, yeah, true. I should have had a yeah. V8. I should have done that. I'm smack my forehead. forehead. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, should have had a V8. So, literally, that, that's how that, – that, like, Igashioka over Sanchez. What are you doing writing for fan graphs mm. and writing that as an article, dude? Come on. Like, really? Um but yeah, so Sanchez, you know, he, he did what I thought he was going to do before the year. Mm-hmm. Perfect three-hole hitter. And, you know, he, bat, he batted back-to-back with Judge all throughout the minors and Arizona Fall League. So there's no issues there. Just go Frazier, Stanton, Sanchez, Judge, mm-hmm. Luke Voigt. Like mm-hmm. that, oh my, my goodness, if that's your consistent everyday top, that really, really works. Because then after Luke Voigt, you do the double line, lineup concept. You go LeMayhew, so he has all of his lineup protection. Mm-hmm. Then you go Gardner to put the lefty in there, and Gardner and LeMayhew completely complement each other from a statistics standpoint in terms of batted ball, contact percentages, lefty-righty, swing types. They, that's how they got LeMayhew to start hitting initially. Interesting. They put him like in the nine hole. Gardner was in the one hole. And then they reversed it once he started hitting. So um, by having him with all of that lineup protection, Luke Voigt and all, and then Gardner right behind him, he's going to see pitches to hit and he's going to have Gardner behind him to compliment him. So it, it works really well. And I think you could even reverse it and you can have Gardner in front of him and then him with all the singles that he hits and the walks that Gardner gets, he could get Gardner's walks to be more productive with his singles, mm-hmm. depending on whichever way gets LeMahieu to contribute more. I'm fine with either. As long as he's hitting, you know, that'll spark him. It should spark him. Um, when you get past those two guys, because LeMay, he was a single hitter, and you're really trying to maximize Gardner's walks, uh, you want to have Urshela back there. Because Urshela, he's, 
like, I'll be real. Even with the coaches being better, even if that happens, I don't expect Urshela to be a great base runner. He's probably one of the worst base runners mm-hmm. on the team. Although that is something that he can improve. I don't think that that's not, not something that he can work on in, in upcoming years. That being said, being a singles hitter, singles and doubles hitter, guy who can hit for a decent batting average, a, a guy who works probably best if there's a lefty in front of him, you probably want to go DJ Gardner Urshela because as many mm-hmm. singles as Urshela hits for, you'll really be able to take advantage of the Gardner factor and really drive him in more. And by doing that as well, you're not gumming up the base paths. Having him behind Gardner rather than in front, like Gardner wouldn't be able to run as much. So then you're getting down to the bottom of the lineup after Urshela. And I think that that's where we want to have Glaber Torres at. I think that that is literally the, the perfect place to put Glaber Torres. If you have Torres in that spot, there's no expectation on him at all. And when people talk about why isn't he hitting as much, I mean, this is a guy who his first year at the big leagues, he did really well because he was pretty polished. And then his second year at the big leagues, I believe was the juiced ball year. Mm-hmm. So he could have like shown that he wasn't ready that year. Instead, the juiced ball Yankee stadium being a Homer park, uh, all that lineup protection, getting him even more pitches to hit. And the fact that half of his homers came against the Baltimore Orioles, who might as well be a triple A team. I think it kind of camouflaged at what stage of development he's really been at. Uh, and then add on the shortened season of 2020. Uh, I think he's got some like actual development to do. Um, and what better spot to just work on yourself than the nine hole. So I agree. Uh, it's not like you're looking at Frazier where the bat speed, the swing, the eye, all of it is already there. Um, and all he's got to do is just swing more, you know, and be more confident you know, at, at, you know, the pitches that you swing at, you know, recognize he's good at recognizing pitches, but like, if you're going to swing more, don't just swing more, you know, like <laughs> be like, that doesn't oh, work. I, that's my pitch. That's, I'm going to swing at it. You know, like and you can only do that by putting it, by being put in a position to have any sort of success to build on. So right now, I mean, like an animation studio. So we can also turn this into like a, little animated short yeah, where it's like swing more because your voice is <laughs> do it just do it <laughs> just do it <laughs> the style of buff name comes out of nowhere <laughs> you know what i'm talking about yeah <laughs> so yeah if you structure your lineup that way you just leave it and you let the players mm-hmm. do their growth instead of trying to force it and micromanage yes, yes. I-, I think that they're going to do fine and i think what it's starting to do is it's starting to leak into things like on defense uh, mm-hmm. Torres making stupid errors, Frazier making stupid errors. Um, and I think it's also that then leaks into like the coaching staff, like Phil Nevin, third base coach, first base coach, uh, that type of thing with regards to uh, their base running and base running decisions. Um, one, one person told me that they're being too aggressive. Well, yeah, they're pressing. Like this is, this is completely like, if you're running your way into outs and whatnot, like what if the base coach is telling you that? And then some people told me that this is like an issue that um, you'll learn through in little league. And I can understand that, ex- that, that, that perspective, but when your team's already this like unconfident, you have to believe, like you have to understand this. First off, big league fields are big. Okay. They feel even bigger because of the way the stands are made. Okay. 
So when you're running and you're trying to play your game, a lot of the time you got to pick up the third base coach because the third base coach mm-hmm. is trying to judge the ball in the outfield and get you as many bases as you can. They're doing their job. You're doing yours. And you mm-hmm. learn to depend on them over 162 games, let alone multiple seasons. So I think it's like, it, 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 it's almost, if they were to fix that one issue, the lineup issue, I think it would echo into everything else. And um, I think that's, that's the main thing. You're not going to be able to uh, run a team as a manager if none of your players know what to do in any moment because their role keeps changing. And even if they know what to do on a day-to-day basis, right, can they do it because that's their consistent role? If for like every other game you're a guy who gets on base and then every other game you're a guy who's supposed to drive runners in, how are you supposed to develop each skill? Do you think it's too late? Like, do you think it's too late for, for them to take a new strategy where it's like, hey, we're going to leave people at their positions that we want them in, and we're going to see how the rest of the season plays out? Do you think that it's too late they, for that to happen? If they committed to this, if they committed to this, like, today, uh, mm-hmm. no. I think that absolutely they could even get first place by the end of the year. Um, I think they could win the World Series. But – it's not about that. It's, it's not about the talent on the team. And that's mm-hmm. why I can't blame the general manager. It's mm-hmm. about the usage of the talent. Mm-hmm. And you just have to you know, trust a GM who's as good as Cashman is, mm-hmm. who has the track record that Cashman does to make the right decisions here and to know that the manager is maybe smart enough, but learning. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they're communicating to him but I'm communicating to you and maybe this gets out onto the web sphere, you know, the interzoid, you know, we are on the interwebs, all of the things, (laughs) the tech nodes, you know, and somehow onto the blockchain somewhere. And it's just all of it, you know, (laughs) onto, you know, the, the zeros and ones and and, and reaches these people, (laughs) you know, all of that. Um, Because, you know, it's not the first time that certain things Mm -hmm. that I've told people and said have reached the right ears and yes. um, change certain things. So yes. uh, I'll tell you if, if they make those changes, I'll, I, I think that they could completely figure it out. I think they have enough talent to do it if they're healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like then you have to think about this. That's one issue. Then there's the bullpen issue. And I'll, I'll just touch on this briefly. We remember that in the last few years, Chapman was brought in in the playoffs in situations that were really bad for a lefty reliever. Mm-hmm. If you mismanage the use of the bullpen in that kind of way in big situations and you can't learn from that as well, it's also not going to work. So it's not just the management of the position players in the lineup, and it's not just the management of the base running. It's also the management of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So I'm just hoping that, you know, they, they, they can learn from their mistakes. Boone has never managed at any level other than the big leagues. So we do got to give him, I feel like a little rope here. And we do got to trust Cashman, who's one of the best GMs, if not like top three, even like it's hard for me to say that Cashman's not like the best GM in baseball. When you look at who he gave up to get the players that he did and how quickly he turned over the team from being old with no farm system Mm -hmm. and lots of money, like being paid to the players 
not having money to spend to the point where they had a farm system. They weren't paying players a lot. They had a whole bunch of young players with years ahead of them, uh, getting better and better and better, had a workable pen, had a workable rotation. Like he literally did this in less than five years. Nobody does that. I think he did it in three years. So um, you really got to, you know, not critique Cashman as hard as a lot of people have been. I think that this is not a failure of constructing a team. I think that this is a failure of putting players in the right positions to succeed. Mm-hmm. Point blank. And I know that's old baseball lingo, but it can be literally demonstrated by this. They change up their lineup more than almost any other team. How are you supposed to succeed that way? That's I mean, all I, I got for today. I mean, I agree. I think it's just real funny because I think I not I think I mean we I, I feel like over the past two months that we've been filming and making episodes and stuff like that uh, on the side before we like film, I'm always like I'm always like James, what about those Yankees? Like, what, what about the Yankees, James? I'm like, I'm hearing. And, like, this was early on. This was, like, really early on. And it was only whispers. It was only whispers that I was, I was like, not, not even whispers. It was, like, small little writings. It was, like, are the Yankees going to have an off year? And so, James, obviously, huge Yankee fan. Um, and also a really great team. They've always been a great team. Um, so, obviously, when we're like, yo, they can turn it around, they can obviously turn it around. I mean, um, but now that we're analyzing or you're, you're analyzing it down to exactly where people are moving into position wise, it just makes so much sense now that it's like, well, you know, they they have an off game and then all of a sudden everyone gets shuffled up. They have another off game and it's like, hey, let's shuffle everyone up. And it's like rather than reexamining the games that you perform best at and what positions people were in, it's almost as if you you're being counterproductive to your well I, I don't even think it's that i don't even think it's the results thing i mm-hmm. think it's a if you look at skills mm-hmm. you look at how to put the player in the right position instead of looking at you know what lineup spot they produce best at yeah you know or whatever instead of looking at just if you just look at what those players skills are you can literally put them in the right spots in the lineup and the early critiques were like sanchez isn't hitting well now sanchez is hitting the early, like you know early critiques were like you know Gardner's not hitting. Well, Gardner was barely playing, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, and then of course I, I was convinced that, you know, Kluber would have been a little bit more healthy than he's been. He's not going to mm-hmm. be back till August. And then Severino, I thought was going to be back by June. Right. And then he mm-hmm. injured his groin. We don't know when he's going to be back particularly, probably August, you know? So there's a couple of things that hit the team harder. O'Day got hurt in the bullpen. True. Britain got yes. hurt in the bullpen. And yet they still have one of the best bullpens in the game. So, like, how much can you really blame Cashman? Mm-hmm. Like, it just... No, you know, I agree. I, I agree. So, but hey, on the good side, Sanchez is now doing what all Yankee fans wanted him to do. And uh, that's a great point to kind of end on because when was, like, the Yankees have not had a catcher like this, like, since Posada. And then mm-hmm. before then, you know, you're talking about probably Munson, Barra, you know, like Sanchez right now, if he can stay healthy as this player, he, he's finally come into his own. You don't find 40 homer catchers. You don't find catchers who hit 35, 40% above league average. You don't find catchers who, who do that while having his arm 
and he has gotten better mm-hmm. defensively the last few years. He is playable at catcher. And I'll tell you what, for all you people who hate on Sanchez defense, wait until all the umpires, you got those, they have those ear things, the earplugs in their ear where they tell them, oh, it's a strike, it's a ball, it's a strike, it's a ball. So they're not calling false balls and strikes. So framing goes away. When framing goes away, anyone who is a catch and throw catcher is just going to get that much better because all they have to do is keep the ball in front of them and then throw it. They don't have to be worried about keeping it in the place in the, you know, no, just keep it in front of you and throw it. It's a don't lot less to worry about. So when that happens, you're going to look at one of the best defensive catchers in the sport as well. Cause Sanchez, as far as catch and throw goes, is as good as anyone gets. Mm-hmm. So Yankees haven't had a player like that in a very long time, a very long time. Like he could, if he continues this, like over the next few years, he could win an MVP because you don't see that at catcher. So, and then the last, yeah, yeah, I'm going to say one last thing. Okay. I was going to leave it at that. I was going to leave it at that, but I'm going to hammer this point home. I was right about Sanchez. I was right about that. People hated on me for years. I'm so I knew tired it. of it. I knew the People second you put up Sanchez. I was right. I was right. Deal with it. I'm like, I'm like I knew it the second I was like, he's going to go out dude. humble. He's going to go out humble. I got to, man. I called it. I called it years ago. I told people for years, you can't trade this guy. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So when you're right, you're right. Oh. I mean. <laughs> Just, oh man. The amount of hate I got for this. <laughs> Not anymore. Obviously. Yeah. They can it's, deal with it. Yeah. Everyone can just deal with it. He's doing well. I mean, so thank you so much. Tune in into yeah, this thanks episode. For by. Thanks for coming by. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for coming by. Don't forget, follow the podcast on every major podcast network, as well as on YouTube, where all of our live streams are on. Don't forget, tune into our live streams as well, and just stay tuned for more content. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe.